Walsh has got it, swinging around. Gee, the tackle was a little high. Collingwood win by four. McComb not quite. Gorn hopeful. Now Jamari Ugalhagen kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary. It's a high five from Jamari. Glory. Just coming back. Hey guys, welcome back to the 12th edition of the In The Sands show and today we're covering all the latest news from the Australian Open and the tennis from the past two weeks. To start us off, we're going to have a look at the men's singles final which is tomorrow night and it sees Stefanos Tsitsipas from Greece face Serbia's Novak Djokovic which is set to be an absolute thriller. Djokovic plays his 10th Australian Open final where he's won nine out of the nine times he's played in a final. And this is Sitsipas's first Australian Open final, making the semi-final three times previously. These two have faced each other 12 times, with Djokovic winning 10, while only Sitsipas has won two of these matches. Most of Djokovic's wins against Stefanos has come on hard courts, so this will give Djokovic the advantage in the big clash. Novak Djokovic has had some injury concerns this tournament, He's obtained an injury in one of the practice matches a week before um, the Australian Open started on Rod Laverini and, and he pulled out of a practice match so he could recover. So we he, he's played through an injury and um, he's done the Novak Djokovic way and he's pushed through he's, and he's uh, he's played great and he's made it this far in, in a Grand Slam tournament. Djokovic has had a very tough draw. He's faced three strong seeds. He's had to face Australia's Alex Dimonor on the way. He's had to face Bulgaria's Grigor Dimitrov, and he's placed a lot of seeds. Last night, he overcome Tommy uh, Tommy Paul from the USA, and he's had a great tournament, beating a lot of big stars, and um, Djokovic got the better of him and absolutely destroyed him in three sets. Personally, when it was announced that Djokovic was playing with an injury, I thought... As he's much older and he's yeah he's aging and um he's a lot older than a lot of the players in the draw he'd get knocked out early and uh, we'd see an upset but Djokovic has shown his brilliance and destroyed half of the draw not playing hard tennis though but he plays smart tennis if you look uh, how he played this Australian Open especially against Alex Dimonor he didn't move a lot he tried to stay the most of the time in the middle of the middle of the court um, and played his shots from out there. Um, and Demonor was wasn't uh, working with this and was just hitting the ball back to the middle. And I think that's a leading factor to why uh, Demonor got knocked out the way he did and only winning five games against Djokovic. And yeah, Djokovic has just been playing great. And I think he's trying not to move a lot to aggravate his injury. I think it's a knee injury, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it's helping him a lot playing out of the middle and he's getting the job done and it's pushed him to a final. So... It's looking really good for Novak Djokovic, and it's gonna, it's gonna be really, it's gonna be a really good game. But he's gonna have to overcome Stefanos Tsitsipas, and 
he's going to be on the other end of the court to Djokovic and Sitsipas comes into the final with 10 wins and no losses so far this year. He's had a great United Cup campaign, winning all of these matches and coming over world number 16, Matteo Berrettini of Italy in the uh, Italy versus Greece clash in uh, the United Cup. And this Australian Open campaign for Sitsipas has been nothing but class. He's only dropped three sets getting to the final and he's done it with an overload of Greek support. Stefanos said it feels like his home slam and I was at the Sitsipas versus Kachanov game uh, yesterday um, where he got into the final. The crowd was incredible. The way he lifts up the crowd and after he's won a big point, the crowd goes nuts and he lifts them up and a lot of there's a lot of Greek support and Walking out of the stadium, they're chanting, they're going nuts, and it's great for the sport, and um, it makes the Australian Open so special, and it's it's really good, and I think that Greek support definitely helps all the Greek players. You've got Maria Sakri, who uh, got knocked out uh, early on in the tournament, but the Greek support for her also helps her a lot, and they've mentioned it many times that Australia feels like a home slam, um, as they don't have one in Greece. So, yeah, it's really good for the Greek players. But my tip for the Australian Open has to be Sitsipas. I backed him in last week in episode 11. I'm still backing him. Uh, I still think it's going to be so tough for Stefanos. And it's going to go to five sets. But the way Djokovic plays, he's like a man on a mission. Uh, he doesn't want to... Um, he wants to win win the Grand Slam after not playing in it last year. And he wants that revenge. And I, I think it, he could he can definitely get it done. But... I don't know. I feel like Sitsipas has just got something hanging on to him and he's just going to beat him. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those moments where one of the greatest of all time passes on the torch and uh, to the next best up-and-comer. But it's going to be a great match and I think, yeah, Sitsipas will get over the line. Now, we can have a look at some of the how some of the Aussie players, um, especially the men, has gone this Australian Open Local wildcards are through to the Australian Open men's doubles final for the second straight year with Tanasi Kokonakis and Nick Kyrgios making the final last year. This year, we've got Rinki Hijikata and Jason Kluber extending their stunning run at Melbourne Park. Hijikata and Kubler had a, have a chance to emulate Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis' unlucky title triumph last year after downing eight seeds, Horacio Zabalos and Marcel Granolas in Thursday semi-final on Australia Day with an Aussie crowd and every it was a great way to get into a final on Australia Day and yeah it's great for these this pairing the Aussie duo claimed a hard-fought first set before finishing the job 6-4 6-2 in only 63 minutes on Rod Laver Arena great clash and but they're gonna have to face Hugo Nice and Jan Zielinski tonight after the women's final to go get their glory and win their maiden Grand Slam final and hopefully their Grand Slam title. And I think they can get it done. After seeing what Kyrgios and Kokonakis pulled off last year, I think Hijikata and Kubler can get it done. And it's a pairing that not a lot of Aussies have known um, over the past years, but their fame is slowly growing. Um, Jason Kubler used to be the best in the world in juniors. And uh, hopefully if they get the win tonight, um, everyone in Australia will know their name, so it's great for these two plays, but they're going to have to face Hugo Nice and Jan Zielinski, who looked really strong. Uh, they had to play Arthur Rindeneck and Benjamin Bonzi in the semi-final, and they overcame the French pairing Rindeneck and uh, 
Bonzi overcame John Millman and Alex Vukic of Australia in a tough two-setter. So these guys are real tough players, and I think Hijikata and Kubler just... They're just going to pull something out of the bag. They're going to have a lot of Aussie support after the women's final, and hopefully they get the job done. Another Aussie who took a big spotlight at the Australian Open after Nick Kyrgios has pulled out, it was Alex Diemenor. All eyes were on him, and Diemenor came into the AO with a lot of hope after beating Rafael Nadal in the United Cup. But after downing lower-ranked players, it was Diemenor's turn to face in the fourth round one of the best in the world, if not the best, Novak Djokovic, where Alex performed nowhere near his potential. Diemenor went down in straight sets and was headed home from the Australian Open. And, uh, yeah, he played nowhere near his potential and um, hopefully we can see a good good year for him and we'll see him bounce back next year in the next Australian Open. Another Aussie who took a huge spotlight this Australian Open was Alexi Popperin. Popperin is a is a known young Aussie player who came through this tournament with a wild card. Popperin faced Seng in the first round. He was from Chinese Taipei and he was a someone, someone that not many people knew and didn't think much of him and thought, Popper, I'm just going to wipe him out. But, nah, it wasn't like that. This Zen guy was a short guy, but he can hit 200-kilometer serve bombs and um, he, he gave Popper in a tough time and it was a five-set thriller. Popper got up in the end and it was his turn to face the world number eight, Taylor Fritz, where he played the game of his life. Popper Got over Taylor Fritz in one of the biggest upsets of the tournament. Um, and all of Australia turned their attention to this guy, Alexi Popperin. And um, it was his turn to face Ben Shelton in the third round. But unfortunately, he lost in straight sets. But hopefully we see a big year from Popperin and yeah, another bounce back in 2024. Another Aussie who had a decent Australian Open was Tanasi Kokonakis, who also received a wild card into the tournament. He played Italy, Italy's Fabio Fanini and downed him in straight sets, playing in a classic Melbourne weather conditions where rain was off and on. But eventually the rain stopped for a certain amount of time and Kokonakis knocked Fanini off in straight sets. Then he had to face Andy Murray and this was a 5 hours and 45 minutes um, game and went into 4 in the morning where Andy Murray unfortunately got the win against Kokonakis in another five-setter. But uh, hopefully we see uh, Kokonakis bounce back, and I, I think he's one that's going to have a real big year. And hopefully we get to see him more, more in more big tournaments, because last year he was stuck in more of the lower tournaments as he was lower ranked. But hopefully we see him step up the rankings. But that wraps up all the Australian Open news from the men's side. So thank you for listening to the In The Sand Show. I'll catch you after the break. Don't worry about a thing Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright Don't worry about a thing Cause Atticus Health will make you feel alright If you got a tummy ache or you don't feel right or if you have a nasty rash keeping you up at night <laughs> don't, worry don't worry about a thing, thing. 
don't worry. Because <laughs> Atticus Health will make you feel all right. This is Minimum Wang. You're listening to Radio Karam. Hi, I'm Josie from Space Folk. And when I want to stay groovy, I listen to Radio Karam. If you're down Karam way, just call Mitchell Tall. Or in Patterson Lakes. Just call Mitchell Tall. Anywhere Bayside, just call Mitchell Tall. Buy a summer house, just call Mitchell Tall. Mitchell Tall. Tall, tall, tall. Real estate. Oh, yeah, real little real estate. We want more. We've done it. One take. Welcome back to the In The Sand Show and now we're going to have a look at the women's side of the Australian Open and tonight is the grand final where Arena Sabalenka from Belarus plays Elena Rabakna from Kazakhstan which is set to be a great match between two seeds that have had both had a great start to the year, both making the final so obviously have a great start and they'll battle for the championship tonight. The fifth seed, Sabalenka, has had a great start to year, winning the Adelaide International, not dropping a set. So she's won every match and she hasn't dropped a set at all. And then came into the Australian Open and not lost a set, making it to the final again. Uh, in her run, she's beaten two seeds, Belinda Bencic and Elise Mertens of Belgium on her way. Many pundits have picked picked out how quick Sabalenka's forehand has been this year. And it's up there with the men. Her average forehand speed is 140 kilometers per hour. And it's up there with the top top men plays. And that's her real power that can definitely overcome Rebakana. And she's never won a Grand Slam and she's never played in a final. So uh, it'll be really good to see her battle out against Rebakana, who's also a very class, play, class player. And we wish her the best of luck. Her opponent, Elena Rabakna, has performed magnificently this AO after a two after a tough two week t- campaign in Adelaide. Rabakna's best result in Adelaide was her making the round of sixteen. So, the way the Adelaide International worked this year, there was two different tournaments in two different weeks, and Rabakna entered both of them. And first first week she made the round of sixteen, 
only winning one, one match and then lost and in the second week she lost in the first round. But this Australian Open, she's taken it to another another level. Beating Danielle Collins, Jelena Ostapenko, the number one in the world, Iga Swiatek, and two-time former champion Victoria Azarenka on her journey to the final. And I think she's got a great chance to win this. Last year she won Wimbledon and and that experience will definitely help her against Rebecca. Now she's going to know how the crowd's going to react. Uh, the pressure of being in a Grand Slam, a Grand Slam final, and um, yeah, I think that's going to be her little upside and her her help um, in the final. And uh, let's see if she uses it. My tip is Sabalenka for the win. Sabalenka has also won three out of the three times these two have faced off. Although Rebakna has beaten some of the best in the world, and yeah, the best in the world she's beaten, I still think Sabalenka wins through her massive forehand, and I reckon she wins in straight sets. I reckon it's going to be a tough straight sets, though. Could, I reckon it's going to go to the wire. might be like a 7-5, seven, 7-6, seven, uh, head to a tie break, but I think it's a great way to cap off Sabalenka's Australian tour, winning every match, and hopefully she gets the, gets the Australian tour done, not dropping a set. That's a big accomplishment, and... And uh, it's definitely possible, and I I think she can do it. Um, it's going to be a great match tonight, and uh, yeah, let's just see how it goes. And um, both players have started twenty three off with a bang, and hopefully they have a great rest twenty twenty three, and hopefully the Australian Open women's can end off great tonight. Now we're going to have a look at some of the Aussie girls that played in the Australian Open this year. Australia had five girls. Compete, competing um, in the Australian Open, most getting through with the wild cards, with only two making it through to the next round, and that was both Kimberly Burrell and Olivia Gadecki, who both bowed out in the second round. But it was a great in- insight to see how Australian women tennis can grow uh, in the next generation. Kimberly Burrell battled over three sets, two hours. She battled more than two hours battled for with Estonia's Kai Kanepi, the 31st seed uh, in this tournament, out on Key Arena on day two, and um, she she performed great. And against a player who's over 30, he's got a lot of experience. Kai Kanepi's got a lot of experience, and uh, Kimberly Birrell just went out there and just, like, just knocked her over. And um, it's great. It's great to see for uh, Australian women's tennis, but... It also shows with only two players making the round of uh, 64 and then them both losing in that round in the second round, it shows that Australia's women's tennis is really lacking without Isla Tomlanovic and Darius Saville and also Ash Barty, who retired last year. And uh, Darius Saville and Tomlanovic uh, both couldn't compete uh, this year due to uh, injury, but I still think those two would have done real well in this Australian Open and Savile had a huge, uh, huge 2022 coming back on the tour, but gonna have to wait to 2024 to see them showcase at Melbourne Park at the Australian Open, and we hope more Aussie women's climb up the rankings to see, so we can see more perform, and hopefully we get to see one seeded next year. Also, yeah, the absence of Ash Barty, um, it shows that women's tennis in Australia is really lacking, um, but hopefully. We get to see more. That wraps up the Women's Australian Open part of today's show. So 
Thank you for listening to the In The Sin Show. I'll catch you after the break. Mr. Spaceman, won't you please take me along? I won't do anything wrong. Hey, Mr. Spaceman, won't you please take me along for a ride? This is Dave Crosby. Jim McGlynn. And it's very good to be on your show, man. Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street for a coffee and something nice to eat. Yeah, the pizzas are great. In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's Caram in Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. It's a pizza. It's a mystic pizza. Oi, oi. Oi, oi, oi. IGA is shopping nice. IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. This is Tor Larson from Radio Karam, host of Sunrise on Super 8 on Saturday mornings 9 to 12. Stay groovy. G'day everyone, I'm AC from Friday Night Frothies, also very involved in the sporting club. We're here today at the grand opening. Any opportunity I get, I'll be listening to Radio Karam. Hi, my name's Paul Kennedy, and I'm a sport reporter for the ABC, and when I'm not listening to the ABC, I listen to Radio Karam. Tune in and enjoy. Welcome back to the In The Stand show, and now we're going to have a talk about the latest Netflix TV show. Uh, it's a tennis TV show called Breakpoint. Netflix has released a new tennis t- show to show the world the life of tennis players as they go on tour. Personally, I think this show's great, and I think it's a bit like the F1, the F1 series that was uh, produced on Netflix, and it showed um, how how players cope um, on tour, and and it, it covered fifteen players, and as they head into many different tournaments. But there's a lot of controversy about the show, and uh, there's a there's a new thing that's coming out. It's called the Netflix curse. This show contained 15 of the best in the world players and all of these players were knocked out by the round of 16 that were showcased on the show. So um, 
many people are blaming the Netflix series for this and we've seen the number two in the world, Casper Ruge, get knocked out. Many players that were tipped to win the tournament. You've got Taylor Fritz getting knocked down in the second round. Many huge players got knocked out. You saw Nick Kyrgios withdrawing from injury. Uh, withdrawing from injury. We've seen Carlos Alcaraz, the number one in the world. Uh, he withdrew because of injury as well. So a lot of players uh, uh, didn't play the best uh, tennis that they've played because uh, of this show. And it's a curse, everyone's saying. And again, I think this show's great, but did the pressure of the show get on the backs of the players and make them feel that extended amount of pressure, making them bow out early? We don't know, but... The show showed a real insight to players' lives and how they cope with injuries, setbacks in their career. And it's a great watch, but um, many people are blaming this for uh, a lot of these players bowing out and only left the players that didn't uh, didn't show in this show um, left in the tournament. So, yeah, it's a weird one, but it's something I wanted to talk about on the show. Uh, it's the Netflix series. Great watch. And, um, yeah, it's... So that wraps up the latest tennis news. So thank you for listening to the In The Sand Show. I'll catch you next week. Walsh has got it, twigging around. Gee, the tackle was a little high. Coming with win by four. McComb not quite. Gorn hopeful. Now Jamari Ugalhagen kicks it long. It's got a lot of carry. That's something extraordinary.